0: All right, Mots, we are back. Episode 128 of The Rink Shrinks. What do you say? You ready to go? Let's go. All right, buddy. Uh, a lot to catch up on here. Well, you know, kind of been quiet in the rink front. We, we missed each other on the ice. But what's up? Anything?
1: You know, it was a great, great weekend. Um, I played a little golf with... Uh, my buddy, Zamboni Tony. Um, Big.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, exactly. Led so you. we ended up uh, playing in the Brockton uh, four ball city open and didn't fare too well. But um, it was pretty cool because he played against the field and mm-hmm. um, you know, there was a cut that needed to be made. And we were right there, kind of puked on ourselves a bit. But, um, you know, that was that was Friday morning and then um the brockton four ball like where does this take place so the first round is at dw
0: of course it's in great shape the greens are awesome really Um, my father-in-law has been talking that place up for a while for like a year or two now yeah they
1: put a lot of money into it um you know around covid so okay And then um, if you made the cut, you would go to Brockton Country Club, which is a nine-hole course. Um, That's where Tony cuts the greens and is proud of the greens, kind of protects the course. If you make that cut, you go to Tony Lee. So it was like a three-day thing, but like this, you know, cuts along the way. It's a pretty cool setup. A lot of good golfers there, though, like really good. Really? So it was like the best score between the two. It's a two-man best ball.
0: Um, You know, straight up big boy golf. Did you make it after first round? No, we missed it by uh,
1: two two strokes.
0: Oh, yeah. so you grinded.
1: Yeah, but it, I mean, you should. We should have been. We were under the the whole time. I full putted a green. All right, I'm, I'm just gonna say the greens are rolling, but unacceptable. You know, if you're yeah. on the, above the hole, I was below the hole, then I was above it, and then I was off the green. So. Just one of those one of those things. But then I can't say I haven't done that before, buddy. (laughs) Yeah. So then I, you know, shook it off real quick, came back, showered, um, went up to the brick and beam and um you know uh was really excited to be a
0: part of a good group to uh have a little fortieth birthday surprise for you. Yeah, what a uh what a surprise that was. I gotta give um, I gotta give my wife Joanna, a a very big shout out. Um, She was like asking for the podcast, this episode to be dedicated to her for all the hard work she put in, which I guess we could give it to her, but she, uh, no, she did a really good job. She told me I was going to her cousin's graduation party at brick and beam, which didn't sound out of the ordinary in any capacity that I wouldn't be going to that. And my birthday was like well over a month ago. So uh, it really, uh, you know, shout out to, to to Joanna. I know Keith had a, uh, you know, a, a, a big help in it. I know uh, Bunzo Byrne. There was, you know, a few few guys helped uh, helped her out, helped her put together the guest guest list. But it was uh, it was amazing. I mean, shout out to the Rink Shrink team for making it down. Alan all the way down from Canada, obviously um Billy aka Emmett was there. jersey sure I mean it was uh and, and and you in court and it was the the best part about it was I, I walked in and the first person that I saw was Joanna's uncle whose uh daughter's graduation party that that I thought I was going to so I they're like surprised and I it was one of those like um yeah I'm like oh they wasted the good surprise on me you yeah. know what I mean like I'm like, oh, this is a surprise graduation party. You don't hear those too often, and um, and but uh, it, yeah, it was it was amazing. Great job by uh, Joanna and everybody else, and the, and even the kids. I can't believe they didn't even spill anything. But I was like, dude, I, why would I even? She's like, you're so bad at this stuff. Like, but I'm like, why would I think I was gonna have a birthday party? It was a month ago. Like, <laughs> my birthday was a month prior. Yeah, that's probably a good thing, you
1: know, that you just kind of let your guide down a little bit. But, yeah, yeah. big shout-out, big hats off to uh, Joanna and her efforts. And, like you said, the kids. It's tough to keep, like, uh, a secret like that. You know, something's going to slip. And I was kind of a little distant, you know, from you for, like, a week. I just didn't, you know, I didn't want to be the guy. Yeah. You, like, text me. I'm like, good. Like, it's just (laughs) a thumbs up. Hey, can't talk right now. Mm. (laughs) Just like – you kind of like arm's length. Uh, let let B Y sleep until Friday, but uh, you know it was an amazing thing. And what I could say is, you know, it just uh it just shows, you know, kind of went into like the Sunday sermon a little bit too. But like you know, it's it's a real compliment to you and and your family. Um, you know about you know the people that showed up for you. You know, there's a lot of really really good people there. Hockey people, non hockey people, just really enjoying you know and celebrating you and and that's the real um cool part um you know we we're able to go to a, a graduation the next day for my my son's buddy that he played with but to wrap it all together like there was like, like a really good group of kids there you know and I was just yeah. kind of observing and it's through hockey that and some of them didn't play hockey but you know majority were hockey players at different age groups but all getting together and having a ball very respectful um And, you know, so I, you know, I was thinking about like the two nights. It's like that, that's what it's all about. You know, like you have these lifelong friendships through, you know, athletics or hockey in particular and, you know, people, you know, that, that you really care for. And so like when, once, once a team, you know, it's a teammate for life, you know, and that's what you, you, we try to preach here and, you know, that's, you can't lose sight of that when you're worried about, you know, little Johnny trying to make a team or, you know, what team is correct or whatever, just. Kind of enjoy the present and um you know you have lifelong friends and it showed this weekend so i was really happy to be a part of it uh so happy birthday you know yeah happy happy
0: happy surprise 40th happy surprise 40th yeah no thank you um you know obviously appreciate that you and in, in court were there and everybody else it's uh it was, it was it was it was funny one of my uncles texted me he's like you could feel the you know just the the, the friendships the love all that type of stuff it was really cool like and it was however many people there it was like, it was, it was great. And like you said, um, good, you know, great family, great friends. Uh, and, and a lot of it was, you know, wrapped around hockey and, you know, kids from youth hockey all the way up to, to pro hockey and, you know, buddies now. And, and it, it really was, it was a uh, super cool. So I can't thank everybody enough that, that showed up. And I know we even missed a few, um, you know, some, some, families that we coach and play with and things like that it's like the uh the, it's just like too too many people but uh you know thank you to everybody and uh, a lot of fun uh all right enough about my birthday and uh you know hopefully i make 50 and we can do that one again <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll run it back yeah run um, it back for sure run it back run it back i know you were busy we uh yeah saturday like you said similar to to, to friday like we just kept it rolling went up and with Nettie Haven's daughter's three and one-year-old birthday, and it was just more hockey people running around. I know we talked uh, when Keith and I were driving out to that, and you had uh, you and Alan were heading down to the graduation party. But like that's what life's all about. It's a great time of year to kind of relax and take a step back and remember uh, what everything is is all about. Um, you know, I, I did notice that you you've been trimming up a little bit, so I wanted to talk about. You know, you you did text me about your lunch menu um so i wanted to to, to, why don't you share that with the uh with the the fans out there yeah i've been you know trying to keep it tight a little bit
1: you know like just for example today and just had a salad um for lunch you know up early so it was kind of an early lunch Mm. um but i make my way around the salad bar and it's just a fantastic salad bar it has so many options it's tough when you're hungry because you want to put everything on it and i pretty much do but um
0: you know, salad so, you can do that yeah but then you gotta weigh it and as long know, as you're I not cutting they, as long as you're not getting the bread no but i i
1: think they really get you with the
0: weight i mean especially
1: when they put hard-boiled eggs as an option i mean they just weigh yeah. down but mm-hmm. um things are like ankh is in the bowl yeah so i i got that um you know a nice little salad but I had to get like a sandwich as well, you know. So, (laughs) oh, you're keeping it light. Just trying to keep it light. Side kind of sandwich for later. Um,
0: (laughs) oh, just like a nebula, yeah. Yeah. So I I
1: just, you know, bury the salad and then kind of like chip away at the sandwich. But
0: it, you know, just trying to keep it light. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that. That's uh, that. That is fantastic. Um. I forgot to even mention to you so I first round of golf on Sunday um, played with your boy my boy UNH guy Robbie Donovan um, Johnny Cronin you know the crowbar as well mm-hmm. uh, and you know Milton little League le- legend I should say we played ACs. So we played Johnny Cronin's one of the first like youth hockey teammates I had you know one of my first might teams growing up and uh, and then played All-star baseballs in the summer and things like that. Crow is a really good athlete. Played at Saint A's, so great catching up with uh, with Donnie and Crow and obviously Keith. So we had fun. the The swings getting back. It didn't take much. It's you know a little work. Need a little work on the greens, but it was uh, it was fun to get out there. We played on uh, on Sunday, so it was really nice to uh, to get back on the course. Was the drive of the best club in the bag? It was pretty consistent. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was amazing. getting out there. I wish, I wish, I wish the, the, you know, the flat stick and, uh, right around the greens were as good as that. I think I would have rather traded, but I mean, I wouldn't have been there if it wasn't for the driver. So right. it's got to all come together, but you need practice. You need practice and reps around the, uh, around the green. That's for sure. But yeah, it was, I was getting off the tee pretty good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, we'll have to Just get out. Just low clappers from the point. You know what I mean? Low kick yep. shots. Yeah. Oh, we'll have to get out and play,
1: but you got to, um, yeah. I mean, the last thing that usually comes is the touch around the green with a little,
0: a few reps, a few more rounds. Let me dial in. Let me be dialed. I'll be dialed. uh, Ready to go. Hey, uh, we know we got Fourth of July coming up. So let's talk about Franklin Sports. Obviously, they got games and everything, never mind all the street hockey equipment that they have. Uh, that we definitely want to get hooked up with all those training needs, but Franklin Sports, the official street hockey partner of the National Hockey League, check out their line of NHL street hockey games and training equipment at franklinsports.com today, Mots. I know we've loaded up on the uh, the backyard games. You know, there's nothing better. We're heading into July here, which is crazy, but you want to have your you you know your bago sets and. Um, all those different games, right? The yeah, ball, beach shoes. volleyball, yeah. horseshoes.
1: They My got. I was asking to put the uh, volleyball nut up, the Franklin uh, volleyball nut up, uh, years yesterday. There you and, go. Um, yeah. So, I got. Oh, I got the tractor up and running. I had a a, a buddy come over oh, and boy. give it a little love. So, mm-hmm. I'm gonna be able to buzz the lawn and half the time, and do the rest. You know, to it is kind of a um, fun time to mow the lawn and then. Put up the volleyball night, especially uh, with the uh, holiday coming up, because there will be a lot of people
0: around. But, yeah, bocce. We especially the, uh, now that you have been eating so light, like you'll be able to top go tops off, off everywhere in the, yeah. the neighborhood, you know. <laughs> oh, my, my girls are like – Just hiding sandwiches all around the yard. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> like <laughs> a little Easter egg hunt. It's like a little sandwich. and just squirreling them away. Ooh,
0: look at that roast beef. Mm. Oh, that's, that's delicious. A,
1: yeah, just one time is um, – <laughs> But yeah, the the botchy, uh and then the baggo like you said. But we have the um, the Franklin uh, Bluetooth bag-o set. Oh yeah, it's amazing. So yeah, make sure you you know you're checking out all the uh, official street hockey gear that Franklin offers as well. But um, this is a great time to to go and purchase uh, some some backyard festive festive games for uh, those cookouts that you'll be having uh, next week.
0: Absolutely. 4th of July coming up. Nothing better. Uh, Did you catch the NHL awards before we get to our interview?
1: Uh, Yeah, I caught some of it. Um, Some of it was a little hokey, in my opinion.
0: A little hokey. Um, That's a nice way of putting it.
1: Yeah. But no, I mean, the the awards are the awards, and um, Mm -hmm. there were a couple of really cool moments uh, during the telecast, but courtney and i were watching and she's like what, the, what is this you know she you know it was like everyone was put on and you know whatever but it was um it was cool to see some of the winners and um you know you got uh you know some some repeat winners and uh some some new people to the uh you know to the list but i um
0: yeah i, I didn't watch the whole thing did you um i did catch some of it i was you know it same thing, like watching. It was it was good. Obviously, Biz was uh, was hilarious at I times. It was funny too. Yeah. Um, and then it, but it, it's like the setting, everything down in Nashville must have been unbelievable. It Must have been great to, to to have that. I just, it's like you couldn't have found some like hilarious dude to host the show or something. Like, I, I, I don't just know. one host. Yeah, like well, what is going on here? I don't know. Yeah, they I was have. like, I said to him, I'm like, dude, you could have had like, I go, you could have Keith host that thing. It would have been funny. It would have been, and then you have Biz like chirping them on the panel and and all that <laughs> stuff, and you, you the play is going, but like make it funny but serious, and right, it would have been perfect. But no, maybe we could have got on there if he was hosting it, but maybe that was just my high hopes. <laughs> yeah, <it's>, it probably <laughs> we wouldn't. could have at least went.
1: Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Stood outside, no, oh, yeah, we could have. I mean, as far as um, a couple of
0: tickets or something,
1: as far as some of the winners, though, it's it's pretty cool to see you know, some of those um award winners, you know, like the Ted Lindsay is you know, voted on by the players, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's you know, Connor McDavid in his speech said that he and that's like the most important award in his opinion and he's he's won it four times and yeah. um you know and he's like it's such a privilege to share the ice with everyone he, he, did, he did a good job at like kind of just you know everyone was up there who was, who was very humble and you know and then the, the uh the heart trophy was um presented by the family there of his little guy that passed away and just yeah. uh you know that was that was a touching moment um so those two
0: Moments and to see a uh, local
1: guy, Matty Benares, win the call there was, was really nice too.
0: Yeah. No, it was great. It was really, you know, cool. And obviously you see Bergeron with the uh winning a six selkie and and, and you know, even Carlson after the comeback season that he had and Kopitar, Benares, Lmark. It was pretty cool to see um, you know, Jim Montgomery talk about his struggles that he's gone through in the last couple of years and now coming out on top and And all that type of stuff, and you know the Messier Leadership Award with Stamkos, who's you like you you forget that Stamkos has been around and been a leader, and now a Cup champion multiple times. Um, You know, really, really cool. And the um, Dean Smith, who's out in out in Detroit, I believe it was that was uh, you know presented with the Willie O'Ree. Um, you know, leadership award. Like, uh, yeah, I guess I did watch most of it. Um, and Chris Letang, comeback player of the year. Like that could have – you forget how bad um, Clayton Keller was hurt and um, the other guy there from Minnesota, uh, Minnesota I should say, that were up for nominees for, for that comeback player of the year. Like really, really cool, ton of camaraderie, ton of um, – you know, just you see how hockey players are such loyal people and uh, – families around celebrating with them it it, it it overall it was cool it was it was it was fun to watch and be interesting now with the draft coming up too yeah and and just one more thing about the uh the awards
1: i do like how they it's not just all stat based you know yeah um you was know, a lot of leadership the king clancy you know mm-hmm. perseverance and you know the masterson um you know ej maguire was the you know the up-and-coming prospect. That was that was kind of a no-brainer, but then yeah. also the, the the Messier and the Willie O'Reilly So like they they're just trying to make you know it more Team
0: oriented and not just individual.
1: Yeah, exactly, and not just stat-driven. It's just the more well-rounded, complete person and player. So it's a good job by them to you know you know kind of create some of them and and kind of just showcase it's important uh and then the stats take care of themselves um so yeah it was cool yeah but with the draft coming up you know another it's pretty cool that it's in the same city and you know they can um you know keep partying
0: you know down there it's a great city yeah the scouts are like you know on spring break right now <laughs> <laughs> like trying to get ready like oh who do we have on our list wow anybody find that list <laughs> What are we going to take? But, no, it, it it is cool. I think the one-city thing, this is obviously the first time that I can remember it ever happening yet, uh, where they had the awards and, like, all tied into a week. So, I guess the NHL is figuring that out a bit. Uh, pretty cool, and pretty cool spot to be in down in Nashville. Um, it'll be interesting. Obviously, we're recording this one a little early, so we're not going to have the uh, up-to-date picks, but we'll be able to recap them on next week's episode and some local guys that are getting ready to go. So, uh, it'll be very exciting times.
1: Yeah, and, you know, the, you know, there's there could be some movement in the uh, the top 10. You never know. There's some wild cards. And Mitch Koff, who, you know, from all accounts, is one of the most skilled players in the draft. Uh, Fantilli, Carlson, I've heard different stories of who's better, who's going to. Uh, Connor Medad is locked in as, as one. Mm-hmm. But, um, and, you know, then, again, you know, there's, there's different guys that oh, – this is what I wanted to ask you. How do you feel about prospects – uh, being compared to nhl players do you think, I it's, think like it's just a I, way I, to just kind of like put it in perspective or because sometimes i just think it it could be unfair co- comparisons you know and, right you
0: i know, think that's the biggest thing yeah. but i think it's it, it's more for the fans and the scouts to mm-hmm. say okay this person reminds me of you know so and so right and this person you know Connor Bedard is the next Patrick Kane or or whoever may, it may be, but probably some unrealistic expectations out there. But I think it's more done so that the the you know the scout can kind of have a a visual of what that person plays like, right? So an Adam Fantilli that maybe a big strong power forward, maybe they're comparing him to a, you know, a Brady, Mike uh, Modano, yeah, or um, a you know a Brady Brady Kachuk or somebody yeah. like that, right? Um, you know, because he's got the size and the strength, things like that. So, I think it's just similar comparables and things like that. So, um, obviously, very difficult because uh, there's never, ever going to be somebody that's like exactly the same. But, uh, and then you really start, you know, when you get into the all time greats, then it's like really, yeah. really difficult to do. Like, you no, know, Connor Badad, oh, the next, um, you know, Connor McDavid. And you're like, yeah. is tough, that realistic man. for an 18 year old kid to to hear? So, uh a lot of expectations all those guys the other one thing that i wanted to bring up too it could be interesting is so will smith who's a local guy here was you know grew up was coached by ken hughes on the boston junior eagles for with the 2005 eagles for years right you played against them and you know you wonder if they'll try to make a move to get up to him or if he could potentially slide to that what's montreal around the fifth pick yes um so that could be just an interesting dynamic. Like if he's there at four, do they try to trade up for him or 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 something like that? Where, you know, and that would just be like an amazing thing, right? They it, basically Smith grew up playing from the time he was seven, eight years old for, for Ken Hughes, the GM of the Canadians. Yeah, it was it was pretty
1: interesting. Um, I mean Kent's a great hockey mind and he was a good coach even at that level. They had some good players, you know, he implemented some structure. And um, you know, Will Smith was always a good player, but continued to get better. And uh yeah, I'm I'm excited to see where he goes. And that it wouldn't surprise me if uh Muncher tried to make a move for him. Yeah. So but um yeah, I just wanted to I was reading something about the, the comparisons, and I'll just uh read off like the top top five. So Bedard, a right handed Joe Joe Sackick. Also, Austin Matthews slash Patrick Kane mix. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, yeah. Mid uh, the comparison is mid korea Mike Madonna for Adam Fantilli, uh, Leo Carlson, big six foot three, uh, Swede, left handed Mats Sundin. That's plural Matt. Then that Mitchkov is uh, Kapril Kaprizov. Will Smith. Kapril
0: Kaprizov. Yeah. Yeah. And then no, they, the, now they go, like, you know, because he's Russian, they have to get yeah, no. into a Russian. Uh, Will and Smith that's same with the same with the Swede there. Like, that's Matt Sundin, right? Mm-hmm. Plural Matt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> comparison. Is it, a, for, is it an apostrophe or
1: no? No apostrophe. Yeah, that would okay. that would yeah, that'd be uh possession. Uh, let's see. Here. <laughs> William Nylander for Will Smith. And then th- this okay. one is uh, Zach Benson, Zach Parisi in his prime. That's pretty good. Oh, and then another local kid, Ryan Leonard, right-handed mm-hmm. Timo Meyer, which is pretty cool because I yeah. think he's a big, heavy player.
0: And But anyway, I just thought I it was Leonard's interesting. Right. I, I, so that's one thing that drives me nuts mm-hmm. is if you compare somebody to somebody and they shoot a different way. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? So, so That's like, what they're saying, like right-handed or left-handed, whatever. Yeah, I hate that. So it's, they can't be the same, yeah. You know but, what I mean. Like Timo Meyer's is a lefty, like the Leonard's a righty. So they can't they. They can't they, play the.
1: Same. They can play the same way though, and they just that's why they have to. Yeah, but they they they
0: just different.
1: <laughs> so it'll be exciting, Uh you know. Tomorrow night we're recording this on Tuesday, so Wednesday night get the draft going
0: and um you know all the hype uh we'll try to get some, some live players. maybe maybe a couple live uh instagram videos or posts or something for us yeah we can try out that you can yeah. try that for the draft yeah we'll, we'll be coaching it up Uh so let's we'll go. be couching it watching those uh, that, that that the draft will be really exciting but um all right, Mots. So let's get to our interview. Uh, before we do, we had a great interview with Marty Reasoner, obviously former teammate of yours. Uh, you know, we'll call it, guy played about eight hundred games in the NHL. Uh, Mots couldn't give him credit for that, in the, in the intro, you'll hear it soon. But uh, before we do so, then um, in this interview with Marty Reasoner is brought to you by TSR Hockey, which is located up in tax-free Salem, New Hampshire, where you can stock up on all your equipment needs. Right for the cheapest price you're going to find. You can also buy all that cheap stuff at TSRHockey.com. You can call the team store, 603-912-5970, and ask for Mike or Dave. They'll take care of you. They'll get you looking tip-top perfect, like gorgeous for next season. So you want to make sure you hit those guys up. Again, TSRHockey.com. If you're in the store or you're calling Mike or Dave, make sure you tell them the rink shrink sent you.
1: And now, hope you enjoyed the interview with Marty Reisner. And our next guest on the Rink Shrinks podcast, a veteran of 798 NHL games, drafted in the first round, 14th overall by the St. Louis Blues in the 96th NHL entry draft. A native of Honeywell Falls, just outside of Rochester, my former teammate at BC and on the island. Welcome to the podcast, Marty, the one-man party.
2: Reisner! (laughs) <laughs> great to be here, Moss. That was a great introduction. You couldn't round up on the 798? I know. What, who's the coach that scratches for the two? <laughs> Seriously, we couldn't just said like 800?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> almost, almost. Hey, almost. Uh, well, Coaches I mean, Marty, it, it, you know, especially you're a New York guy, but you, your kids are going to get really used to us just, you know, Marty this, Marty this. So, uh, you know, at least you you you're used to it. Right.
2: I, yeah. Well, since I was like 16, that I've been Marty. And I was saying my son a couple months ago, we went over to Marta's house and he kept calling me Marty. And I went on my way home he's like, why is he, why does he call you that? And I'm like, what? And he's like, Marty. I'm like, well, <laughs> that's my name. And he's like, no, it's not. It's Marty. <laughs> like, not in Boston. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> not in Boston. It's not, kid. It, uh, it, it changes quite
0: a bit once we hit that uh, that mass pike.
2: Yeah, he got a true lesson in Boston accent in Monster's house. Yeah. Sitting out
0: there <laughs> watching some games.
1: Yeah, that exactly. was fun. Oh, no, that's fun. That's a great. Good little visit.
0: Well, uh, Marty, we obviously we appreciate you jumping on. This is great. It's been a long time coming. But uh, talk to us about you know the the early days of you growing up playing hockey. Obviously, you you come from a, a you know family of hockey players. But what was the what was the beginning like?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I think like most kids, you know, my dad had played in college, and you just got into it um, just as as something that that he had done and. You know, growing up in Rochester, it was so cold and it snowed so much that there was wasn't much else to do. So, um, you know, I said all the time, and I say it to guys, is that it was just entertainment for us. My dad built a rink in our backyard, and and I had three channels for TV, so it wasn't like there was a lot of options. So, you entertain yourself by going out and playing in the backyard, and and uh, it didn't feel like practice because it was it was entertainment, and it's what he it did for fun, and just kind of going through that program where you just played with local guys. And um, it was interesting because we didn't have, you didn't have what these kids have now. It wasn't Instagram. There wasn't, you know, playing all these tournaments and you didn't know, you were kind of a big fish in a small pond. We'd go to Toronto, you know, with our team get pounded by like 12 every time. And uh, but you didn't know what kids were doing throughout the country. You didn't know where you stacked up and you didn't really find that out till you were like 15 16 years old where you you know you start trying out for the state teams and um, and then the national teams but um, it was just something you did because you know when i was growing up there wasn't many kids that came out of roster like the goal was to try to play at rit and rit was division 3 and there was few kids that even did that so um, it was really just about enjoying what you're doing um, and then as you got older you know some of the guys a little bit older than me Roy Fitzpatrick was kind of one of the first ones in my age group that kind of moved outside of Rochester. And, and you realize that, you know, you could try to play outside of, of Rochester and, and it just kind of went from there. And, um, you know, I was lucky because I went and played in that peewee tournament and did pretty well. And then a team from Boston actually came and, and they asked me to play in the summers. I think I was like 14, 13, 14. And so that was kind of the first exposure of like playing hockey in the East. And, all these kids that were going to these prep schools and things like that. So it kind of that was like really the first taste of, of playing outside of your bubble and and that you could actually do that. But um, at the beginning, it was just, it was just entertainment. So
1: you talked about big money building the rank and he's a special guy, you know, he's always involved and, you know, doing anything he could to help you. But were there any other say influences in the Rochester area when you were, you know, younger growing up um, who helped kind of,
2: guide you along the way uh, in your early development? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, my coach in high school, Al Berg at McQuaid was great. And he just had like a huge love of the game. And you know, he actually was also the rink manager. So he'd let us skate in the mornings and, and give us extra ice. And then, you know, also just your peers, right? I had a great group of guys. I had Sean Richland and Larry Pierce who so Sean went on and played at Michigan and Larry was, you know, played at Cornell and you kind of all push each other. And, Um, so we had a good kind of group of, of guys that kind of surrounded yourself with that, that helped, you know, push each other really. And, you know, we'd just compete with each other. I mean, we'd, whether it be in my backyard playing or Larry had a rink in his backyard and we just played two on two or three on three and just compete against each other and, and you push each other to be better. And, um, you know, obviously my dad was, was a great influence, um, you know, in helping kind of steer that path and, I still have kind of nightmares of him, like in the backyard, he's in the rink at, you know, 11 o'clock at night. And I'd be like holding the hose as he's like watering it. He'd be like screaming at me, like not to get the hose in the water because it would freeze right away. And then there'd be bumps in it. And so nightmare. He's like, I'm doing this for you. And I'm like, dad, I just want to go to bed. Uh, but he was great. I mean, they'd sacrifice so much. And, you know, obviously my mom as well, just, you know, you think about it now as a parent, you don't realize it is just the sacrifice to get to practice when you have two working parents and trying to get there and then, you know, putting everything down to go to a tournament in Toronto or Buffalo. And we didn't play as much as the kids do now, but just doing that, I mean, is uh, it's a, it's, it's, it's huge. And, you know, having that, that was like our vacations, like going to Toronto and staying in a, you know, holiday Inn was a vacation. And uh, so, you know, the sacrifice they make, you realize it now that you're on the other side of it, it's, it's, it's pretty incredible what they do for allowing you to kind of chase this dream that you have. And, um, you know, so it's, 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 it's funny seeing it now it's coming full circle and, uh, seeing how, how nuts it is, is, uh, it's, it's gotten, it's gotten a little bit out of control, but you, you do, you want to do the same for your kids that, that your parents did for you
0: but you you talked about that kind of internal motivation that you guys had and your friends and they just competing with each other like do you think that a lot of that is lost now with 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 your kids and watching it where everything's just like the skill development and going out and power skating and stick handling camps and all that type of stuff or going to play in tournaments versus just like those small like you just said get together, whether it's a game of street hockey or in the backyard on the frozen rink, those just, you know, put the puck in the corner and go out and battle and compete.
2: Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. I think that uh, it's just generational. I think the kids today, and I don't know if you guys find it, it's hard. Like they don't have structured, they just, they have a hard time, like just picking up games and playing like even in our backyard, like playing baseball, like we just go out in spring and summer and you just like have pick up baseball or find things to do or basketball I feel like now if it's not structured the kids don't know what to do with themselves so and that you know in some of it's not even their fault their attention spans are, are shorter. I mean everything's in front of them all the information they need is right there and they have so many other options too right like I didn't have like video games and you know phones and all this other things that would kind of take your attention away from just playing sports and um, so it's it's hard I think today it's hard being it's hard being a kid and And I think they gravitate as they've people have evolved into that more structured scenarios. Is it better? I don't know. I mean, we see it, I see it in development with the Islanders and, you know, we have a lot of kids that, you know, we get that are technically amazing, right? They skate well, they shoot, they make plays, they can shoot the puck as hard as anyone and stick handle, but, the little technical things are a lot of times what's missing. It's getting the pucks out on the boards. It's making the right plays. And I don't know if that's, what's missing in the game when everyone's so focused on, you know, skill development and, and skating and shooting and, and doing these drills. which believe me there, it's all valuable. Um, but sometimes I think some of the the little things get kind of slipped through the cracks a little bit. And maybe that, and that's what's missing is that ability to compete. And I, I know, most people try to replicate that in practice, right? You do a lot of small area games, you do a lot of things, but um, I don't know. It just, it feels like when you're playing for pride, sometimes it's a little bit, a little bit more when you're growing up, um, whether it's beating kids in your neighborhood or beating the older kids or things like that. And um, you know, I I think the skill level today is is definitely way higher, but you know, at times there's, you know, there's elements that are just always going to be there that are that people just, need to compete and learn to compete and the game gets very simple, very, very quickly. It's, it's, we're racing for the puck and who wants it more? Um, so it, it, it's, it's funny how it has evolved. Um, but you know, there's still an element that, you know, I think kids are missing a little bit. I'm bringing it back to uh,
1: your, even your backyard or, um, you know, on the field, what position did you play? Which field are you talking about? Baseball. Left field. Yeah, right. It was right field. Okay. We, we all know that. <laughs> we'll we'll get into that later.
2: <laughs> no, 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 no. I'll never he's that, that Mott. Left field Mott. Yeah. So Mott is anyway. the, thing, the, guy, the worst guy is always in right field. So he's like, I know you're in right field. <laughs> well, we're gonna get to the point
1: where, you know, yeah. so he goes to McQuaid and is able to uh go to Deerfield and uh and we want to hear about that kind of decision-making and how that kind of went about, because a lot of our listeners uh, have, you know, chimed in about different um, prep schools and whatnot. But, you know, it was, it was a league championship, and he's in right field, and a uh, guy hits it, you know, pretty good, you know, pretty good shot. First, you know, three steps straight in. <laughs> Ball goes over his head. He throws his glove
2: at it. <laughs> it was, I'll never drive past, so I played in Worcester for a little bit. And, and- whatever reason, sometimes when I'm driving through, I drive through Worcester. It was at Holy Cross. And we had won, my first year, we had won the the baseball championship for the New England, whatever it was. And then the New next England. year, I was going to BC already, and it wasn't really all in on baseball. And um, I felt bad because we were up 2-1, and I just charged this thing hard, hoping that I was going to get the guy home, and it never came down. <laughs> <laughs> and, and went right over my head. I'm chasing behind it. They score two runs and they win 3 2. And the worst oh. thing is I had a good game. I hit like a double and a triple in the game. And uh, that was my last game ever. Kids were like crying on the bus the went home. And I was like, oh. sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry boys. <laughs> sorry, right, guys. I'm- I'll be a PC if you need me. But yeah, uh, yeah. let me know if you guys
0: need tickets to Connie <laughs> this, this, this fall.
1: No, I always give him a hard time about the right field, but he was a a sound. Well, that's it, that's left like
0: field. a myth though, because in little league, right field we know is right field. Hmm. But when you get to like Babe Ruth and in high school and all that stuff, right field like you have to have like a hose, and you got to be able to like it's a it. The game changes. The Vladimir know. Guerrero played right field. Yeah. I mean, like, I think like, Monty was st- very I'm similar. I'm still
2: to liking that t- yeah, like that yeah, little yeah.
1: league. And I'm like, you know, Marty's <laughs> out picking dandelions.
2: I was definitely <laughs> staring at the clouds.
1: <laughs> uh, no, that's good stuff. But can we bring it back to, um, you know, your time at McQuaid, you know, in Rochester area, uh, McQuaid Jer- Jesuit, and how you decided and, you know, where you kind of got the looks to go to prep school and, and how you ultimately decided to go to Deerfield.
2: Yeah, it was. Um, so I went to. We didn't have. We didn't have a hockey team in my town. We didn't have a high school hockey team, and um, and so you kind of had to make a decision. And and back then there wasn't like all these options for junior and all that. So it was either I could have to like travel to Buffalo and play with like I don't even think Johnso was there yet with like the Scenic's team or any of that, or it was split squad. It was. Uh, it was. You didn't really have a full winter team. It was funny going into my freshman year. I actually didn't want to go to McQuaid. So I was stayed home and I played the first and I was going to play basketball. I was like at my hometown school playing, you know, for my hockey team. And it was like a week and a half before the season started. And I was like ready to play like on the JV basketball team. And, um, and then just kind of hit me like, what am I doing? Like, I got to go play. So I went to McQuaid, we started the season, played that year. And, um, and then the next year was when we started. I think that was my freshman year. So then you you played like in the U.S. You start in the U.S. programs. And uh, my sophomore year, I had a good year at McQuaid again. And that's when we started really kind of looking at the prep schools. Uh, we were playing in the summer in New England. We had started kind of our own team, out of Western New York, um, that was playing. And then we played with some teams out of Boston, New England as well. And it's crazy. how I mean, I, I keep saying that how crazy it is now, but I still remember like my last, my freshman and sophomore year I probably played on like four or five teams and probably played like 70, 80 games. Like it got, it got busy, right? You were kind of in that mode where you're playing a lot. You're looking to go to prep schools and playing in these different tournaments and showcases. And I think everything is just kind of backed up two years. It's probably two years earlier now than it was back then mm-hmm. Um just in general. Right. Because you weren't even being recruited. So, you know, what was it? July 1st, going into your senior year back then. So now everything's moved up. Um, but, you know, and then in the prep school was interesting. I went to McQuaid, got to play a lot. And it's funny how life works. Like I, I was playing, Sean Richland and myself were the same age. We wanted to go to the same place. So we looked at a bunch of schools and, and came down to Taft, Hotchkiss, and Deerfield. And at the time, Hotchkiss was really good. Taft was pretty good. And Deerfield was okay, but they were losing a ton of guys. And it's funny how we made this like New York state team and um, for the Chicago showcase or something like that. And it was Mm -hmm. all older kids. It was all like juniors and seniors and Sean and I were the only sophomores. And so we go to this first uh, like exhibition game, like played some junior team and we barely played at all. And I, we, I had just committed with Sean to go to Hotchkiss. We were both going to go. And um, we went and barely played. And something just went off in my head. And I was like, this is what's going to happen if I go to Hatch. Hatch was like one of the best teams in prep school. They had like Matt Her and all these guys then. And I'm like, this is what's going to happen if I go there. I don't want to do this. And um, so I went back to and visited Deerfield. They were losing like 12 guys and then made the decision. It was like, all right, I'm going to Deerfield. And Sean was like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> I'm like, I just, I don't know what it is. I look back now and I'm like, why would I, why did I do it? I think part of it is they had school on Saturdays too at Hotchkiss. And I was like, I don't think I'm doing that. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but it just like something went and I was like, I'm going to Deerfield. And so we went and, um, you know, kind of went from there. It worked out and had a really good sophomore. I repeated my sophomore year, had a really good sophomore year. And then interestingly enough, the guy that had given, there was, you know, um, Financial aid packages and different things, and the guy—it just kind of didn't work out for the next two years. So I had to think about what I was going to do. Um, had a lot of success, and so the the school in Jim Lindsay actually came me and said, "Why don't you accelerate back and go back to your regular age instead of and graduate almost a year early?" So I was like, "Okay." And at that point, you'd made the you'd made the I made the U.S. team, the national team, done pretty well there. And so we kind of just opened it up and called a few schools that may be interested um, and kind of did our visits that summer, which was technically after my sophomore year and said we're thinking of coming out after this year and um, went through the process that way. And And that was the process in, in terms of
0: so accelerating, so getting into Deerfield, obviously going there making the decision and then now you you you're you're already into the college uh transition phase.
2: Yeah. So we went to Deerfield. My first year had, like I said, had a pretty good year. And so it, and that was kind of the first step. Like you come from a small town, you played in, you know and you're like wow, I can really do this. Hilarious. You get to Deerfield and and it was different then too, right? Like you're playing on teams where there's all repeat kids. Like every every kid every team had the top teams had like 10 to 12 kids going to Division I schools at different ages and you're playing against, you know, some, it was pretty good competition. A lot of NHL draft picks were there. And to go there, that was the kind of the first taste of like, wow, I, I, I can compete and play well and do well with these guys. And that was the first time I was like, all right, you know, I felt pretty confident after making the national team, but then doing well at Deerfield um, was like, all right, well, I think I, you know, I'm as good as you're just like, I'm as good as that kid that's going to BC next year and, right. or kid going to Maine or whoever. And so, That really was the first time I was like, wow, I think I can do something um, with this as far as like competition wise and, and, you know, be one of the better players in the area. So that was kind of the first step. And then it was the same process with BC where it was interesting and that when I decided that I was going to go a year earlier, started looking at schools and it was like four schools in the Midwest and then four schools in the East. And it was like Michigan, Michigan State. I think we looked at uh, Miami Ohio and I forget what the other school was. I think it was Bowling Green even, but you know, and and then BCBU, uh, Clarkson, Saint Lawrence, and um, and a lot of it was my dad grew up in Canton, and there was a you know kind of a pull to go up north, um, but it was kind of the same scenario. BU was was loaded then. Michigan was really good. And Michigan State was really good. And I was like, I, at that point in time, it was kind of like before the draft started and you're like, I want to go play. I don't want to watch other guys play. Like I want to play against those best guys. I don't want to sit for a couple of years. And, and interestingly enough, Sean Richland was at Hotchkiss and he had a different process where he was kind of, he wasn't the top guys first year, but his second year, he was, he was the top guy and it worked really well for him. And he just looked at Michigan the same way. And we had talked about going to the same college too. And it just kind of broke down as far as what we wanted. And at that point I was veering more towards the draft and thinking like I wanted to go high in the draft. So I wanted to play right away. And BC had, you know, a great opportunity to do that. And um, so that was really kind of what, what pushed that over the top as far as making that decision.
1: And being the number one recruit in the country and then choosing a school that was, you know, you know, down at the time. And so you could, could get your minutes and get your touches and, Play against these top teams and top players, you know, you didn't ha- you didn't realize then the impact that you you had on that program. So, I can speak to it firsthand. You go there, you know, I had played against you, you know, in some camps and whatnot, and then, you know, it's like oh, mighty reasons then, like you know, the dominoes start to fall. You know, the next year we have, you know, a, a, you know Jeff Farkas comes in from you know Western New York. So there was a pipeline of Western New York kids that followed Marty, Brian Gianta, Brooks Orbeck, you know, you can, you know, the list goes on, but we turned it, you know, you turned the program around, I would say single-handedly by you making that decision to want to play. And, um, you know, it was just an exciting time. Number one, to to watch you as a freshman and go in and play really well as a freshman <clears> Had <throat> you know, 40, 45 points, you know, as a freshman and, you going in playing with Haimo and Donnie Chase and all guys that, um, you know, are, are super guys to begin with. And, you know, just to see the su- success that you had right away, you know, kind of gave me the confidence to to be able to come in and, and try and do the same thing. So it was just a, a cool experience to number one play, you know, kind of against you as I, before I went into BC. And then, you know, the guy that you are and the player that you are. But that decision that you made to, you know, get you touches really had a lasting impact on a program.
2: And it was funny because I, I'll never forget when we made the decision that we were going to come out a year early, I met, <laughs> I met coach York. I was going up to the world junior camp um, right after he come back from 17s. I had gotten the opportunity to go up there as like an underage guy. And I was going up to the camp in like Placid and we met, I met coach York in Albany at a rest stop <laughs> and uh he bought my dad a hot dog or bought us a hot dog and uh or we sat there over like hot dogs and like a soda and he he, and he had that like accent and i hadn't really it was a different but i hadn't really been exposed to it and he kept saying he's like Marty, you want to drive the bus or do you just want to ride on the bus you want to drive the bus you want to ride on the bus and i'm like turn to my dad i'm like what's this (laughs) what's he talking about like what is what is this guy saying? And my dad was like, "What? What do you mean? <laughs> like, well, do can you, you write? Me? Can you type that out you, to us? Yeah, can talk? we get that in an email?" Uh, and he's like, and he kept saying it. And finally, it kind of sunk in. After he's like, "Do you want to be the guy that drives the bus here, or do you want to be a guy that sits in the back seat at another school?" And kind of, and I was like, "Oh, okay. You could have said that in English, but." <laughs> but uh no it was funny how how it all worked out but um and was crazy even before that when the whole thing was going on you know a few months earlier at bc i remember being like i don't know it seems like a lot going on there and um but i'm it's hands down the best decision i made it was it was you know just a great great atmosphere to come into they gave me a great opportunity we got to build something there um you know with the addition of you know, when you came in Mott's and your class with Farkas and Casey and, and Blake, I think it, it took a step. And then obviously the step with John's class, it was, it was pretty fun to be a part of and see how we could turn that around pretty quickly um, in just a matter of, you know, three years. So it was, and it was, it was tough. We took our lumps, you know, the first couple of years going into BU was, it was scary. Uh, But, you know, by the end we were, we had turned it around. So it was, that's something that we're pretty, you know i think as our group we didn't win a title but uh Mott's obviously went to a bunch of finals we went to a final and and we feel like we we had a pretty good footprint in in building it to where where it is today and where it became yeah
1: that yeah, um 30 yeah, years i was going to say that it's, it's yeah it's ju- junior year 30 years <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy so you get um you know, your junior year, I just remember this vividly. You know, we were kind of just moving along. We lost in the first round of the bean pot to Harvard in overtime. Wow. And what I always said about Marty being a leader, not so much vocal, Um, you know, a ton of the time it was if something had to be said, he would. But he could go out and do it. You know, he could single-handedly take over a game or create something, you know, for a teammate. And he just went off, you know, led the nation in scoring. Wasn't in, even in the top ten in the Hobie, which was, you know, kind of a, a crime but made it all the way to the uh, national final game and it was in Boston and you know just to, to be a part of that and to see a guy elevate his game for that long a time when it was needed was pretty special and just came up on uh, one goal short but it was just a, a pleasure to, that was like one of the best rides and you know, because we were weren't expected to be there and just to kind of like you know jump on Marty's coattails was pretty cool.
2: No, it was fun we had a great experience and it's funny how it like evolves right you go from that to like as you just continue to evolve as a player and then and then the school like it just kind of took off from there it became it became a hockey school real quick you know it was it was kind of looked down on for a few years there as far as a place to go and um i remember we even taking the visit being like i don't understand why these guys, why this team isn't better like it's such a great school great place being in boston like it just didn't add up but um you know it was it was a great great experience a great time
0: Oh, that's awesome. Can you and uh, we had Brian uh, Gianter on a, you know about a month or so ago and he was obviously very impressive and we had some funny laughs at them about him coming in what was your first impression of uh young Brian Gianter at 18 years old walking on in, into the the captain's practices
2: and things like that. So I knew I was I knew him when he was young because he was the same age as my middle brother Dave so they had played together a little bit. And you know, I had seen him and he was all like he was such a pain in the ass. Like he was like such a pain to play against, like all the time. And uh I just remember going in and he had the uh the tank top with the T top uh T bird pictures that it was like he had his like the shirt over his shoulder and he had all the pictures lined up with with him with this with his T bird in his (laughs) like like Billy
0: Madison just hanging out on the
2: on the Thunderbird. (laughs) Gio, you're like giving us a bad name in Roch. I don't know if it was a T-Bird or what it was, but he had like all those pictures. It it was like a
1: Trans Am or a Camaro or something. So man, not man.
2: (laughs) uh, But he was like, it's amazing looking back. I mean, he was so competitive and um, in such, you know, he was a role model to even like the older guys, just the way that he worked from the day that he got there and uh i say it all the time like it was just crazy how he would just be able to get in and out and take so much abuse and just give it right back and never never like stand down from anyone like it was really impressive i mean he came in i think he had like 30 something goals this freshman year like he was right away you knew that it was it was special and um and he's just just the you know the whole family too like just really classy people like i played with his older brother joe and um so, they just, just a really good family. And uh, he's obviously had, had a great career after that. But you knew right away that, that, that he was going to make such a big difference. No, that's awesome.
0: Uh, we we kind of went, went by it a little bit. But what was it like? Obviously, ultimately, you were taken by St. Louis in the first round. Uh, you talked about making these, you know, uh, I guess like little changes or sacrifices where you're like, hey, I'm not going to go to the best program, but like, because I want to play. And then, like ultimately getting drafted in that first round, like how did, what was the thought process like? Again, we talk about how things have changed so much, right? Where these kids have been like showcased forever. But what was your uh, draft process like?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I'd had I'd had a pretty good freshman year and um, and had a pretty good World Junior. So I had an idea of where I would go, but you just I, that comes you just never know, right? And. Um, yeah. And it was fun. Like I got drafted by St. Louis in St. Louis. It was like their first first round pick in like 10 years, but they had given up all these picks to get to when they, uh, with the collusion thing with, um, with Scott Stevens. And so it was, it was fun. It was a, it was a great, uh, great experience. And, um, but it was, it, it's interesting now, like everyone thought, and even then you didn't have the information they have now. Right. So like in a way you're like, all right, it was great. I got drafted in the first round. I'm definitely going to get a great, you know, a great chance to play. And, Um, but you just didn't have as much information and and were quite as prepared when it actually came as I think the guys are now, you know, we didn't have development camps. We didn't have all these things to know what you're into. And um, you know, but at that time it was, it was exciting. And then, you know, living up to that the next couple of years, wasn't always easy, but having like the team continuing to get better, um, you know, made it, made it fun and, and kept you, Kind of motivated you know i think my goal was always i wanted to play in the nhl um and wanted to get there as quick as possible um we like i said we didn't have the the detail as far as the development side that these guys have now i mean now like i've been working with the islanders for almost 10 years now and having people come and watch you play and talk about your game and we just didn't have that so when i finally signed you know, I say it all the time. I I used to talk at the development camp about kind of the the Islanders camp about ex, you know your experience as a player and you know um, I like Mott said I had led the country in scoring my last year and never really had many hiccups like in my you know always kind of found a way to be an offensive player and produce and make plays and and but never really looked at the game in any other ways like I didn't look at it from like it's a good game if I you know if I get pucks out or if I make good plays or if I play good defensively, I was like, no chance. Like I need to get, you need to get something. Like you got to have. You, you know, need at least one and two. One and one, something. I got to get a, a, you know, a phantom second assist stolen from Mocs on the power play, something. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, you get to St. Louis and all of a sudden I was like, I got there and was lucky enough. I made the team out of camp and I'm like, Hey, um, you know, I, I play in the power play. They're like, uh, yeah, we got a guy Pierre Turgeon that plays on the power play and he's going to play <laughs> a lot more than you are. And I'm like, Oh yeah. yeah okay. So what am oh, I going to do? Guy, and, that, that Hall of famer. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I kind of get that, but I'm, I think I'm good too. And they're like, yeah, no, you're going to sit and watch. And, um, and it just, it, but when your whole mentality is based on like trying to get points, and playing that way it's it's hard because you don't realize like how many other facets they're out of the game and um and that was a real the first time probably in my life where i really had adversity was you know in the ups and downs of it of like getting sent down like first time you get cut from a team and like and things like that um and so that was something that it was it was difficult to, to deal with and that's why i do like what i'm doing now even with the Islanders in development because you think about all these things you went through and all these things you learned and trying to help pass that along to guys, um, whether they want to listen to you or not. Um, but it's, it's, uh, it's valuable. It's, it's interesting. I always say like you played, you know, I play almost 15 years, you're 36 and you're done. And that's when you finally know what's going on, but you're, you can't put your socks on the morning and you can't move anymore. And your body totally fails on you. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, it's 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 interesting how you evolve as a player and a person as, as you go through things in, in, in that process.
1: Yeah, now as far as, you know, you talked about maybe not he, that just finding your stride, you know, as that offensive player. You know, you're on the second PP at times. You got a few looks. You get traded to Edmonton in a deal, and, you know, you're still trying to play in that role. Can you talk about when – you know, the light bulb went off. You got when you got sent down, and you just you're like, well, Any team could pick you up, right? On waivers. Yeah,
2: yeah. so it was interesting. I went through, you know, the cycle of like I played my first year, kind of in St. Louis, had kind of varying success. Was down in the minors, got cut right away. In my second year was like flabbergasted. Didn't even. I was like the first cut, and uh, went down to the minors. Played well. I think I had like 51 points and 40 two games or something like that played in the all-star game and then got called up. Turgeon got hurt, got called up and played the last, I think 30 games had like 25 or 26 points. So I was like, all right, you know, I've kind of made it like I'm good. Thought I was set, you know, had a good summer. It wasn't like, I, but you just kind of, I think in your mind, you take your foot off the gas a little bit. And then the next year, come back, it's contract. year, pressing a little bit. And then, you know, I was, I was thinking that I was going to take over like turns on his last year of his deal and rumors that I was going to kind of come in. And then it just, the bottom fell out. I just didn't handle it well. And back in the minors by like November, i just kind of fighting through that. Did you lose up. any teeth when you went down? I did my first, Oh my God, I can't believe I didn't remember. My first ever didn't not totally knocked out my first ever chipped tooth. I, uh, I got this defenseman in Hartford. Really slow feet, doesn't turn well. Got him going wide. Is Is it Mato or Mata? (laughs) Mohab. Get him going wide. Try to go inside on him. Comes up with a stick, gets me right in the face. No call. No call. Chips my tooth in half. Hey, clean play.
1: Yeah, he didn't score.
2: Chipped in half. I think. I don't even think. I think I'd like total yard sale too. Like. Right. hey that's old rules yeah, yeah he
1: was looking for a call and I was just like right. hey it was, it was just a good hard play <laughs> yeah.
0: so after the game hey, I go, you hey, know, just like he mom.
2: was looking for that ball out in the uh, the playoff in baseball right game in
0: right field <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: right. and so uh, after the game I go up Mach's parents are there and they're like hey how you doing I'm like great I got no front tooth now because your son <laughs>
1: <laughs> I didn't even really know
2: yeah you're yeah, like but, him, you, baby. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it was a nice play. He was coming in, was like, strong side, slid it under the stick type thing. Uh, you know, I was just like, ooh, uh, uh, I gotta do something here. Can't yeah. get embarrassed by my buddy <laughs> Play hard <laughs> against my buddy, and then I I make I him look I'm uglier like- than. Well, actually, I was like, hey, you don't look any ugly. Yeah, I you think look, I could
2: look good for a
0: while. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Started calling him chippy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, first first tooth knocked out, mots.
0: <laughs> yeah, thanks, mozzarella sticks. If it's
2: gonna happen. You might as well be buddy. You know, right? That was the beginning. Oh, exactly. The after that,
0: but so, talk about you know, can you talk about just figuring it out? Obviously, the the adversity of going, you know, getting sent back down, like you said, where you you thought you were, you know, kind of uh, you know slotted to be the the next guy, and and next yeah. thing you know, you end up in Edmonton.
2: Yeah, so we get traded to Edmonton, and kind of similar. I mean, I thought like, all right, well, Doug Waite's out. I get traded for Doug Weight. I'm gonna go in there and uh, you know, hopefully have a good chance. And went there, and it just didn't. You know, I, I think camp was was fine, but you're still trying to like figure it out. And for whatever reason, it just didn't it didn't work, and um, didn't have the camp that I liked. And before you know, it, I was I was scratched the first ten games that I was there. Like you got traded. I just got traded for Doug Waite wasn't playing at all and um and that's when i was like whoa this is this is uh like you know you get traded your first round pick and you're like i gotta i gotta figure something out and that whole year kind of fought it you know it was like back and forth of of blaming everyone else but yourself and uh i think i got scratched like 30 times and um you know when i was in wasn't play you know wasn't playing a lot little bit fourth line like kind of in and out and um you know mac t to his credit you didn't you didn't always like what he had to say but he was honest with you like he was he was honest and he would say to you he's like you might not agree with me but i'm going to tell you exactly how i feel and he's like you just don't do enough like you just don't you're not doing enough out there like you you get out there you're just you you know you're you're cheating and you're not you're not playing the right way and until you do like I just can't use you. And it's it's a good lesson. And I try to tell it to, you know, whether it's kids in our system with the Islanders, or even our own kids is like, you have to find a way to make yourself valuable some way you have. to. And I fought it. I didn't do it. And then so I played that whole year out. And the next year I got to camp, didn't even have a chance like it was. And so they put me on waivers right away and literally got passed up like three, two years earlier. I was thinking I was going to take over and we went to the conference finals with St. Louis and was playing with like Keith Kachak and Pavel Dimitra. And two years later I'm on waivers and not one team picked me up. And I was like, wow. So that, and that's when it really kind of hit. And I think that summer I really dedicated to like, I didn't care where I played. I just had to make sure that, I thought I was going to be done. Like I was thinking, I was going to be done go to Europe. And, um and I was like, no matter what I do, I just got to go down swinging. And so I got sent, down because the guy got hurt and I was down for like two days and um got called back up to New York in Jersey and it was kind of like the light bulb went off I was like whatever it takes I'm gonna do it doesn't matter I just got to make sure I make a career out of this and it's not about being upset that I'm not on the power play or be upset that I'm not playing with certain guys I just got to make the most of whatever opportunity I get and that night I had two goals in Jersey and assist and then played the rest of the year like a third, fourth line, killing penalties, checking. And he, Mac T pulled me aside. He said, listen, until you learn to play in your own end and win draws, you're not going to play. Like when I first got to St. Louis, I was being pulled off face-offs in my own end because I couldn't win a draw. And there it was like, if you don't do this, you don't play. And it just kind of instilled in me, like, so we started practicing every day. Like you'd battle every day in practice to try to be the best guy because that was the guy that played. It was simple as that. I mean, McTavish used to, he would have these rubber pucks, and he'd make guys – he'd shoot pucks at them make them lay down and block shots on pregame skate. Like, other teams would me, like, what is going on? And you could always tell who he was, like, mad at because he'd make sure you got at least one right in your gut. <laughs> 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 he'd like, he'd be like laying down, like literally laying down. And he'd, like, fake – pump fake and make you get up and, like, lay down. Like, it didn't matter. Alex Hemsky was blocking shots. Like, it was – it didn't matter who it was. Every guy was – So you learn that mentality. And before you know it, you kind of like accept it. And so then it was like, all right, well, I'm going to this is if this is really going to do, I'm going to do it. And I played the rest of that year, ended up leading the team in plus minus, had a good year and just was was playing on that like third, fourth line. Move my way up to like the first penalty kill unit. And the one thing we were able to do, and it's kind of similar to what your career, Mots, in that you what you did is you take the things that you learned is you still think you're an offensive guy and you take those things and you try to like use that when you're playing against those guys. So you're and trying to flip the script. You're trying to think offensively as far as what would I be doing in the situation? Who am exactly. I trying to way? And I think it helped because you could try to think on at the same way that they were what they'd be trying to do and became, you know, decent at it. And, um, and so we were able to, was able to kind of fill that slot as like that kind of checking and then you know, played what? Another 10 years after that. So, um, was, you know, and it just kind of evolved from there, um, where he just became that guy that was reliable and played PK one, you know, and became like ultra focused on the face-offs and, you know, was one draws. And I still say to guys today, it probably gave me an extra three years in the league was just winning draws and killing penalties.
0: So um you know was there something with like like, Marty was there ever so obviously you talked about you know Craig McTavish who obviously was was you know a hard ass and a hard ass type of player and things like that and and you know the coach the player relationship is going to be one thing was there like any players that pulled you aside um or was it just something that like you had to just kind of figure out on your own right because I feel like this day and age right it's like You could have very easily had just that woe was me attitude. Hey, I was the best player in college. I was playing with Keith Kachuk last week or last year. And, you know, my agent says I'm great. I can go make a ton of money in Europe. Or, like, was it all just, you know, was it something that you really deep down had to just figure out on your own? Or was there other, like, professional, you know, teammate influences in your life? Because we kind of talked with Jay Pandolfo, who is similar to you, right? unbelievable yep. player at BU and yep. then got to Jersey. Obviously he grinded in the minors a little bit uh, for a couple of years. And then he just like figured it out like, wow, I have to fill that third, fourth line role and be an unbelievable penalty killer. And, you know, he was yep. more of a wing versus center, but you know what I'm trying to say?
2: Yeah. I, you know, I think, I think the culture there in Edmonton did help. I think I've, you know, listen, I, I had plenty of my, the time of is the, woe was me. It took almost like two years between St. Louis and Edmonton of like, just feeling sorry for yourself. Um, but I think, you know, that culture there was, was everyone was going to, was going to play a certain way. And if you didn't, you just weren't on board. And, um, you know, I think that definitely was, was a big part of it is, is that was accepted And the guys that battled guys that blocked shots, guys that played hard were, were the leaders. It wasn't always the stars. It was the Jason Smiths and the Ethan Morrow's and those guys were the guys and the Steve sales of the world that were like, they were the leaders on those teams and they were, you know, Todd Marchant was a lifer there and he was a third line guy, but he, he was a guy that everyone kind of, you know, fed off of. And um, it was kind of the mentality up there was probably always, you know, why the, no one wanted to play against us, but um, because we just, you just kept coming at, at teams. And um, so it was, it was kind of, you had to accept that mentality and it yeah. took a little bit. And then some of it is just like, growing up a little bit, you know, I was a still immature and young and trying to figure, trying to figure everything out. And honestly, it was, it wasn't like it is today where you had four five, six year deals. Like I signed a three-year deal my rookie year and everything was one and two years after that. So it was yeah. like self-preservation. It was like, you want to play, you want to be a hockey player or you want to go get a job selling insurance? Like th- that was kind of where it was. And so your back was against the wall and you had to do whatever was needed to to be successful. And it's what we try to talk to our guys about is, you know, we have a lot of guys in in, in the island that, you know, you talk about f- finding a way to make a difference, even if you're not scoring, right? You have to be valuable somehow. You know, when we go back to I, when we started with, with Barzell and Beauvillier, Beauvillier made the team as an 18-year-old and Barzell didn't. And it was just because he played the right way and played hard. Was he a better player? No, but it almost, he played two years before Barzell because it took him a little while to realize that he had to play, you know, a full game. And obviously he's become a star, but even those guys, like it takes a little time to figure it out, you know, and some guys make it a little earlier because they just, they're willing to do things that, that other people aren't. And, um, you know, so it's something you try to instill in guys is like, there's only so many guys that are going to score a hundred points. Right. So, if you're not going to be that guy, what else are you going to do? And how do you make yourself valuable? And some guys get it. And some guys just they don't. Yeah. And you make
1: a great point with that. And you know, some of our listeners, I told the story about how you um took the time out of your, your schedule to watch some of Ryan's, my son Ryan's face offs and really kind of give him a game plan. And because like what I said to him, I was like, you have to separate yourself. You know, yeah. from, you know, everyone there's thousands of kids, like, kind of in your spot. How are you going to add value, like you're saying, to your um, prospects? Being a value add, even when you're not putting the puck in the net, you know, face-off, staying below the puck, you know, that puck management, like you were saying, those little things, you know, early on when you, know, you can work on your skills and your shot and, and you know, those skill sets. But what's going to matter when the game is on the line or a coach wants to put you out there? To have confidence in putting you out there in certain situations, so like faceoffs, for example, and it was really uh, cool. Like I was like half listening to what you're saying because I don't, I just wanted the puck. I was like, "Come on, Marty, win the puck! Oh,
2: Why don't you win it back to my forehand?" I know,
1: come on, buddy. So, um, but yeah, that's just a great yeah. kind of message to send, um, you know, young players here, and, and just have that kind of mentality of just providing value, value, even though you're not scoring.
2: Yeah, and the thing that it does and I talked to guys about it and we still talk to guys in the NHL about it. Like I work with the guys in Bridgeport, I work with the guys in, in the Islanders is that what you don't understand and I was I was as guilty as anyone is you don't put enough effort into it, you're you're potentially losing ice time, right? And like you guys talk about all the time is like you have to be a coach has a decision, doesn't matter if you're 12 or 15 or 27 is they need to be confident that they, if they put you out in a situation, you're gonna, they can, they can believe that you're gonna make the right plays and, and be confident that you're gonna do it. And if there's any question, they're probably not gonna put you out there. Mm-hmm. So the flip side of that is if you can win every single draw and they feel confident, think of how many, how much more ice time that is gonna get for you. So you win a draw on your own end. Puck comes around the boards gets shipped out. You get a two and one, you get a scoring chance. Like you're just getting opportunities to play more, which gives you an opportunity to to do things that you want to do. And if you're, if you're not, you're automatically taking yourself out of those situations. And I didn't realize that when I was young, I was like, you know, Mike Eastwood's going over and taking a draw and I'm sitting there because he wins it, but it still gets stuck in our end and I lose a whole shift. Mm -hmm. You don't even think about what that, the lost ice time that is and the opportunity that you're giving up. So We try to talk to our guys, particularly the centerman is like is owning it. Right. And it should be a competition. When I was in Edmonton, we had myself, Mike Pekka, Jared Stoll and Sean Horkoff. So it was actually, we would compete in practice and we'd make each other better because you wanted to be the guy that was being put out there. in within the last minute, you want to be the guy in the last minute of a period or a game because all those guys were good. Right. So you had to, how do you, you gotta, you gotta get on a roll. You gotta show that you can compete. And so, you know, I think that's where guys can really separate themselves when you see guys that are playing longer, because it doesn't matter what level it is. At the end of the day, the coach has to be confident that if he puts you out there, you're going to do the right things. So, no, that's a really good message.
1: Such there. a
0: great message. Yeah. yeah, No, it really is. Um, no, I mean, let's, let's, let's keep this rolling. Obviously uh, the, the, there's so much stuff to talk about here, but like you know, we can get into much. You want to stay with with the NHL stuff or, you know, talk about what he you know, what Marty's seeing now with his kids coaching. Like, what, what do you think? Well, I, I think, you know, he, the, the, I, mean, uh, we can, went, I know we can't keep him all night, but I know, like, but
1: we could. This is where we take our shirts off, though, Marty. So <laughs>
2: you, you start my t-shirt on <laughs> <laughs> it was like after hours. And I was like,
0: yeah.
2: So, uh, we're not know, used to seeing Mott's with the
0: sweater vest on. He dressed up in like very fancy. Yeah, he's I, really want. I was with. gonna wear
2: like a jacket and tie just to like throw things off. <laughs>
0: yeah. Exactly. The, you want to a- that you a- are? A- I, 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 war- I, I should have went with the sleeveless <laughs> <laughs> but,
1: yeah, uh, Stops off. in Atlanta and Florida, and we're, um, you know, that's kind of where you really excelled at the, the, the PK and the role you that you accepted or grew into. Um, you know and you know short-handed goals you still have your offensive acumen and you can finish in certain areas and you're getting your chances and you know the cool part is that we became we were teammates once again in in long island and i always told you know the younger i mean told you to tell the younger guys kind of your story like what you're saying now but it's like kind of tough while you're the teammate and Whatnot, Basically,
0: Mott's got you, a, you, you your job and development now because he was telling <laughs> yeah. you to do that. That's what he's trying. He's looking for. He's, he's looking, looking for a little like, kickback. Yeah, but a little kickback would be fine. Not much there.
1: Not much <laughs> So time. You know, we had, uh, you know, Tavares was, you know, an elite player. Uh, but, you know, like Josh Bailey, um, you know, Kyle Oposo, Ar- just, you yeah. know, it was just like a young core of guys and you know i think your story was very you know some guys just don't know and but your story so i would tell it to those guys and you know just to, to be in going back to that message about being valuable and willing to change your game enough to not just be the offensive guy but have a, a well-rounded game and it's only going to help you if you're not scoring you're still doing the right things but uh it was such a treat to be teammates again and you know the back quadrant with uh amac yeah. and stevie Steos and you know, all all those guys that were in Bales, you know, and, and just to see, you know, these young guys that we played with, you know, continue to play and have some success. But uh it was it was nice to run it back and and some of the younger guys that we were a little, you know, the old timers are, are a little crazy at times, but we ended up uh enjoying our, our time together there for sure. Yeah,
2: we bookended it pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh it was fun, it was great to to have such good buddies between you and Pando and Steve Steos, you know, and and to be honest, none of us were playing a lot or playing very well, so it's <laughs> we couldn't <laughs> with each other.
1: <laughs> we're bringing the intangibles,
2: yeah, yeah, good in the room. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's funny those guys like Casey and and Bales, like they're it, they're still there, they're still doing really well, and it's funny how it comes full circle, right? They have kids that are now like the age of our kids when we were at the end, and and seeing it, it's, it's pretty funny to, to see, uh, but man, it goes by pretty fast, but, uh, that was definitely a a highlight in a, you know, a tough situation. We didn't have great teams. We weren't playing a lot and it's hard like seeing the end, you know, and in a way I was lucky because it became very clear that it was done. Like I think most guys all think they got one more in them or one more contract, or It just became really clear. I was like, wow, this is over. And, um, but it was it was fun to do it with such a good group of people and be able to stay in the area and, and still be involved is is uh has been has been a treat for me and and then to try to give back to it right like you don't get into development to uh, to make a ton of money or to you know it's, it's some guys can use it you know I know Pando started in development and you know worked his way into coaching but you know it's it's not easy and those guys do a lot of hours and a lot of time and um, put a lot into it. But uh, it is fun to to kind of try to give back to these guys. And, you know, half of them are 18 years old and they're all like looking at you like, who are yeah. you? What do you know, yeah. Yeah, well, you know I'm going to be way better than you? And I'm like, absolutely. I want you to be way better than me. That's why I'm telling you this, you know, yeah. uh, but, um, you know, there it's it's good to kind of still be involved with it and see how the guys. And then what's nice about the difference between development and coaching and probably even even scouting is that you're kind of with them. So like some of these guys are with three, four years before they sign. Um, So you're really rooting for them. Like I'm not coaching, like it doesn't, whether he makes a team or not, I really don't have a say. Um, You know, it's more just kind of giving updates and telling about the, the, the player and the kid and the personality. And so you kind of really start to root for the kids. So when they make it, you feel like, you know, you had a small, small piece of that, small part of it to help them get there. So you're really rooting for these guys as they kind of go on uh, through their career. And then also having the hard conversations with them when, when things aren't going well, um, which, you know, you wish, and you do it because you wish someone had those with you. When I was in with BC and the guy that had played in the league for a while came to me and said, listen, you gotta, you gotta work on your skating. You gotta play better defense. You gotta work. You'd probably at least entertain it. Um, but we just didn't really have the, those resources. And we didn't have the development camps. So you can go and understand where you're getting into when you get into camp. So, the guys are much more informed now, um, and which is which is a great thing. And it's probably why so many younger guys are so much more prepared uh, to play. Yeah, it must be
1: very rewarding to you know kind of see the the developmental path later. You know, you, the kid gets drafted, you're you have a vested interest in him, and when you see, you know, so, certain levels of success, you know, just to maybe sign the first pro contract and then, you know, eventually hopefully make it to the NHL. But You know that aside now you have uh your son ryan playing can you talk to us about you know kind of the landscape that you kind of from your point of view down in long island area and, and what you're
2: seeing uh you know in youth hockey right now yeah so he's um we've gotten into it and uh he loves it he loves it he loves his group he's playing with the gulls 2011 gulls and um so we're just in that age where we've we kind of hung on for a while. We had pretty much the same team for a while, a long time. Um, there wasn't a ton of consolidation yet in Long Island. We hadn't been where there's like kids moving every year. Um, and this is like the first year where it's kind of been a little bit of more of that consolidation. So um, and the kids are start. It's like every year is starting to ramp up a little more. So I think this year it's going to be a little bit more. Uh, you know, I guess serious as far as um, just the level of competition, and the kids have like kind of made their way. I think you know, they're they're getting. It's it's fun to watch them improve and and see that, and then um, you know, as they kind of find their own path, right? Like every kid's different as far as how they how they develop and and what they're developing, what their interests are, and seeing kids kind of come in and out of it. Um, But, you know, for our group, it's it's good. I think they got a good, they have a good group now. They keep getting better. And, um, you know, it's fun to kind of be along for the ride on it and seeing it secondhand. It's funny now. It's like this is the Pee Wee Quebec year. So I was talking to BY about, you know, do you do Quebec? Do you not? Like when I was growing up, that's all you wanted to do. And you had to get there. And it's just a different dynamic now. I think it costs us like 250 bucks a kid when we are there. Now it's like people are mortgaging their house to get up to that thing. So it's just understanding, you know, the different dynamics and all these tournaments that are out there, and which ones you go to and which ones to not. And, you know, it's a little different on the island because we don't we don't have like a we we're just starting this like set league. We don't have like the benefit that you guys have of of, you know, the longest road trip you're going to have is like an hour away and you can play a lot of local games. We're traveling a lot for a lot of the games. So it's it's a toll. It's a toll on the families. Um, you got to really be committed. And, um, you know, even to go to Jersey, it says it's 30 miles. And on a Sunday afternoon, it could take you an hour and a half, two hours to get home. So um, there's, you know, there's, it's a, it's a big commitment, um, but we have a good group of kids and they're all into it. So it's, it's fun to kind of help guide them in, in their, their path. How do you find,
0: because uh, Mots and I talk about this a lot, but how do you find dealing with the parents and do you think that, you know, and I know you're not going to throw your parents under the bus, but you know what you see, I guess in ranks, right. Walking into them, seeing some of the other parents, uh, the, the whole dynamics of the youth hockey world At at, you know, yeah. like you said, Pee Wee major and, uh, you know, previously. It's,
2: it's, it's getting there. I think, uh, you know, for the most part, our parents are good. I think that, um, they get it. And, you know, I've been lucky in the, in a way, because I've been, I think the safest place at times is behind the bench, right? Because you yeah. don't, you don't Great hear, you don't, you don't have the the stuff in the stands. You don't know, like you just kind of don't deal with it quite as much. I, I think our group for the most part, they've all been together. So they're pretty, everyone's, everyone's pretty good. Um, you know, what you hear with other groups, it's, it's bonkers. It's just, you know, it's out of control. Um, anything you know and even other teams like older and younger you hear about stuff going on kids quitting midway through the year going to other teams you know parents like time in the ice time and this and that and you know all this stuff um but yeah it's you hear it and um see it at the tournaments and like people getting into it and it's it's a lot it's just a lot and um you have to at times and it's easy i mean everyone's a competitive person right so you have to at times kind of take that step back of like all right they're tw- they're 12 like they're gonna it's gonna be okay and i still remember you know i don't know you guys but the best 12 year old i ever played with no one knows who he is Nobody. jason bonds in your bonds bonds wasn't even the best player It was brent ashcroft he was uh-huh. the best player and he went to the Western League and just never really grew. He was a he was a good player in the Western League, but he never. So and then Bonzi's the same. Like he was, he was Bonsignor was like I played on the same line with him. He was a year older. He was six foot, 160 pounds when he was 12. I was 11. I was 5'3", 105. And we played on the same line. <laughs> <And it was laughs> like, I mean, um, and you know, it's, it's like just you like you and Gianta in college. <laughs> Right. I wasn't I wasn't anywhere as quick or as good as Gianta was for his winger. He probably wish he had Janta. Gianta was ever for two then. Uh, but um,
1: on a phone book.
2: <laughs> but he uh, you know it just you don't know how people are gonna develop, right? So and I think that everyone is is at their own path. So it's it's hard because people can get really swept up in things. And it's like we debate all the time, is is the best thing being on the best team? Uh, versus like being on a, maybe a lower team and playing a lot. Like it's the, it's the balance that you have. And you talk about is, is obviously you want to be competitive. You want the kids to push themselves. You want the kids to want to play in these good games. We want to come up and be able to not get pounded by the Terriers by 12. Um, But, you know, at the same time is, is like, what's the best for your own kid, right? So if your kid is on the best team, but he plays on the third line and doesn't. And the team plays to win, and he doesn't play in the third period and doesn't get minutes on the power play. Is he get? Is he getting better? I, you know, you can argue he's getting better in practice, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't know. I I, I get the sense that confidence wise, it's going to be hard because if they don't have touches in the games, they're probably not going to get as many touches in practice. If the team's that good, it's going to be hard to get pucks from kids. And yeah, you're going to have to compete, and you'll get better. But there's a balance and maybe maybe it is maybe just playing with better kids is going to make you better. I absolutely. But there's definitely a balance in it. And so it's you're trying to sort through all that um, as the kids go. What's the best path for your team? And, and at the end of the day, your own kid. So it's, um, you know, it's interesting. And but right now, I think we're in a good spot. We got a pretty decent group of kids and they all are into it. So. It's it's fun to see them kind of progress, but it's it's getting to a point where it's starting to get and muchier in it with with your guy, but it's getting a little more <clears throat> serious every year. As far as you know, doing little things is you know whether it's skating a little bit more, working on the things that, and identifying those things which uh, that you need to work on is is the key. So, yeah, I
1: you mean know. that's the one thing that we do talk about a lot is like plenty of strands work on your weaknesses and you you just you have to be able to identify those and be a good self-evaluator and and work um you know to your best ability to make yourself a better player all around and yeah um you know you put the work in off the ice and it does ramp up each year and you know the kids like talk about that burning desire internal desire cuz a lot of parents really want it for their kids more than they do at an early age and you know the light bulb does go off for them at different stages you know shoot puberty hits and they get some growth and they start seeing some results from some of the work they've put in whether it be stick handling shooting you know just some some natural development uh through growth um but yeah that's it's all you know very you know typical stuff that we talk about here so you kind of nailed a lot of the topics on the on the head there about you know teams and You know super teams versus you know middle of the pack and you know we we like to to really talk about certain aspects because we have a lot of different you know uh listeners that kind of ask a lot of the the same questions that you answered right there
2: i i don't think it's funny and i've talked to different parents and um i don't think there's a set playbook right i just don't i think everyone's got to kind of figure it out and it's it's you know, you got to figure it out for yourself and for your own kid. And um, sometimes being on the best team will work for the, for your Mm -hmm. kid. And sometimes Mm -hmm. it's just, it's not. And um, you gotta, you gotta kind of figure that out for yourself. And I don't think anyone's going to have that answer for you. Um, So it's, it's, it's not easy, especially when it's funny when you're playing, and I'm sure it's the same with you guys. Like it was, it just felt so much easier because you felt like you had some control over it. And when you're not, it's just totally different element, right? Mm -hmm. You're kind of, you're subject to, uh, other people's actions and other things happen going on and it's out of your control. So, you know, all you can do is give them the information and then hope that they're willing to use it and take it in. Yeah. That's good stuff. All right. Or you can put your shirt back
1: on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, no, you're you're so right though, Monty. And it, 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 I think a lot of that has to do with right. There's so many parents, so many kids that uh, I'm sorry, parents of kids that maybe haven't played a lot. And then there's they get caught up in the, you know, that the FOMO, like, what am I missing? What am I missing on this? You know, if I don't go to this tournament, if I don't do this camp, if we miss this clinic and then the kids are getting it on their end because it's like oh, I saw that so-and-so was in yeah. Montreal for five days or, or yeah. you know, whatever at this tournament. And it's just like you're getting it from all angles. And I think that's the biggest thing is our job as parents, um, you know, and, and it's like just trust the process. There's, like you just said, there's no perfect game plan. You know what I mean? There's no like if if Bill, Bill Belichick wrote a book about how to raise, uh, you know, the, the perfect hockey player. Kid or football kid or whatever, like everybody would be all in, right? But it's just, it's different and it's different for every kid. It's different, different for every family. And that's, you you just got to trust the process a little bit. Like that's kind of what we always say and just have fun and enjoy it. And and at the end of the day, like make good friends, be a good teammate,
2: be a good person. Yeah. You know, it's like I went, we, a buddy of ours, guy Larry Pierce and Mots, you know him, he built this outdoor rink in Binghamton. And uh it's funny, so we meet a team from either the or Buffalo there every year and play this outdoor game. It's amazing. He has this huge farm and we have a great experience and it's funny that I a guy that I played with when I was twelve was a goalie on our team and you met him we met him there and it was like nothing had changed and those are the right. things that you actually remember when you're playing. It's not whether you won silver sticks or did that it's it's the experiences you have. It's going up to BC and playing games up there going to Playing an outdoor game and you lose track of that. And listen, we we're all guilty. Like right? I've had times that even this spring. I'm like, geez, are we doing an off? Should we go to this tournament? And it's like, you take a step back and be like, listen, it's okay. He's going to play lacrosse. He's going to do other things. You know, and and focus on you know. And, and he, my son gets gets worked up. He's like, well, so and so is going to this tournament. I want to go playing games. And why don't you let me do that? And I said, because you don't need it. Like you just don't. Right? Like what you need to do is skate with you know work on your skating with the guy, work on this and stay local. You don't need to travel, to, you know, to these different places, whether it be in Connecticut or Montreal or Boston. And some kids do they, and and it works for them and, and that's fine, but it's finding out what's best for you and for your family and what you need to do. And, um, you know, for us, it was just like, it was time for a break and, you know, go play another sport. No, but other kid. kids, are, other kids are, you know, they're perfectly happy and they, they love going to play in these tournaments and that's great too. So it's, there's no, like I said, there's no perfect path in this. It's just trying to figure out the best you can. And it's going to give them the best chance.
1: Yeah. But you still don't want to be a back loser though. Right. You're going to be able to throw a spiral, you know, throw a baggo in the baggo hole, hit a still wiffle ball. My ball. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. Well, you're a good basketball player actually. And you know, had to hack you a few times during uh, you know, our, yeah, was our games. Hack. Yeah, but ultimately, you know, a well-rounded athlete usually translates, but again, you know, to your point, there's no, you know, one game plan. So everyone's different. But that's uh that's great advice. You really touched on a lot of uh things for our listeners. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: No, big time. Marty, this is uh this has been great. Uh we've taken a, a ton of your time. We really appreciate you jumping on. Uh we'll be catching up with you soon. Obviously, when you get up to Beantown. Uh you'll
2: yeah, we'll be up to- there
0: plenty this fall.
2: And then yeah. hopefully we're
0: hanging in Quebec too.
2: I know. We're trying to pull that together. And then um, yeah, I think we'll be up in Boston a bunch. So I'm, I'm sure we'll we'll see you guys. Yeah, mom has got an extra plenty of extra rooms. Yeah, sleep
1: over. Sleep over in the uh the garage like my boy Alan did. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. I <laughs> had a little sleepover uh session over the weekend. But um yeah, no, again, Marty, thank you very much for coming on and yeah. tell the family, tell Katie, uh, Ryan, you. Ellie, everyone in mom and dad, God rest uh Mr. Kitty's soul, um <laughs> and uh Adam and David. Make sure you tell everyone we uh we say hello here from the Mott's uh Mots household.
2: <laughs> Absolutely, Mott's you too. Thanks, guys, appreciate right. it. See you, Marty. Thank you.
1: That interview was also brought to you by Sparks. Sparks, the at-home or on-the-road skate sharpening machine. Head on over to SparksHockey.com and use BYMOS for $50 off your Sparks sharpener. Sparks is the at-home skate sharpening machine that will never fail. Sparks is the gift that keeps on giving for hockey players and parents. It's convenient, easy to use, and it will save you money in the long run. With Sparks, you get an accurate sharpening every single time. Again, head over to SparksHockey.com and order your
0: machine today. Yeah, obviously, Sparks Hockey is, uh, you know, now's the time to order it. Get it out there. Get that order so you're ready. Like, July's already here, people. It's unbelievable, Uh, which means hockey season is legitimately right around the corner. Uh, You know, we all know mid-August is when things start get gearing up, so... Make sure you use that BYMOTS promo code and get your Spock shopping it today, uh, Mots. That was a great conversation with Marty Reasoner. Obviously, uh, we could have talked to him for uh, for for ten hours, but so many just different quotes. The way he gets it, the way he sees the game, the way he transformed when he was a uh, you know a professional to have to extend his career for so long. But like we didn't even give him credit for how good of a player he was. Um, You know his three years at BC, obviously. Like you know, he led the nation in scoring. Wasn't even nominated. For, like, can you imagine leading the nation in scoring and not being nominated for the Hobie Baker this day and age? Like, it's almost like the the, the people in the Midwest didn't uh, didn't even like acknowledge him or something. Who won it that year? Uh, Drury. Oh yeah, who's that guy? Yeah, no. So, but he just went on a
1: tear, and but like it was top ten. And then they didn't really, like, break it down to, like, the hat trick and, like, make oh, a big production of it. Yeah. yeah, but top ten, like, I think the leading scorer in the country should be in the top ten. Uh,
2: yeah, you would, think.
1: you would yeah. think. Yeah. But it was it's such a treat because he's such a great guy. And, you know, I know him really well since, you know, say, 16 uh, years old, 17 years old. And then, you know, going into to BC and, um, you know, just the way he conducted himself and the way he – he pulled the rope, you know, more than most. Like, what I was saying is, like, he could say something, but then he could actually go out and do it and have a huge impact on the game. And that was offensively. You know, his defensive game was just okay, like he talked about. And then he, and then that light bulb went off. And I love the message that he was talking about, you know, adding value when you're not putting it in the net. Just And it's very important for that message to be said by coaches, you know, at a young age, you know, because – you know, you can work on your skills, you work on your skating, you work on your your Instagram stuff, um, but the value is a coach having confidence in you and getting ice time when it matters, like, you know, when the game's on the line, whatever. And that really, as it the, the levels accelerate, that's those small details may, are bigger and bigger and bigger. We were talking about face-offs for
0: how long, right? And that's, right. that's something that goes overlooked all the time. So... And, and his just thing? his like, and, and this is what he's doing now in his post career, right? Mm-hmm. He's made that decision to stay in player development and he could be coaching or anything like that, but he really likes it. And, and having those conversations with young kids that are, you know, so these kids that are going to get drafted right now by the New York Islanders, like one of the four, first fo- phone calls that they're going to get is from Marty and he's going to mm-hmm. talk about things and he's going to help them. And uh, I, I, I really like how those jobs have been kind of created. Um uh, you know, just to help the kids pro- progress and, and and things like that, but he um you know it's it really really valuable and so many just great uh, messages in that interview and looking forward to uh hanging with him more he's such a good good person first and foremost yeah, quick story on uh so
1: it was after his junior year um the draft was in buffalo mm-hmm. and so I drove out with him in his parents' caravan. His dad was like real handy, like you know, and he like kind of wired up this VCR TV in the in the caravan because they would always take road trips, you know. I yeah. forgot to bring this up when we were chatting, but and we were watching like old like summit series, you know, you know, hockey. Well, yeah. <laughs> like it was just amazing. Then you know, I went there and uh he was looking to negotiate his contract at the draft. Right. And then Brian Gianni got Drafted and gee, when he when he was talking about that experience, his name was on the back of the jersey, which was so cool, right? The, the Devils definitely had him earmarked uh, for their uh, organization, but Marty ended up kind of deciding and and getting the deal that he wanted and and uh, made his decision that weekend. But um, yeah, his mom was so sweet, like always, like you know, oh, you got you hungry, you want? And he's like, Mom, you never like make this much food when you know it's just me, yeah. Yeah, so but yeah yeah well, she you know, knows he, how much you like the salad the, the the sandwiches, the and the sandwiches. Salads. yeah but, yeah he slept in adam's bed i think he had a water bed and then nice. uh is in uh his brother dave was working on a golf course went and played golf uh now he's a, a head pro um at Ridge yeah Lake we Tunchy met him Park. down in
0: jersey last year
1: exactly yep yeah yeah that was yeah. awesome he's uh yeah so it was great and then when i when I brought up mr kitty mr kitty was his his cat and he was his big fluffy fat cat that always uh he slept with me
0: for a couple nights so so a he's a cat so we is he, we should have asked him about this if he was a cat guy or a dog guy i know uh he had a dog after
1: but anyway mr kitty was a big part of their family and uh so god rest his soul he uh he passed on, but anyway, the great family. Pour, pour out a little, Mister yeah. Kitty. Pour out a little milk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Mister so, Kitty. Uh, yeah, Mister oh,
0: Kitty. That's great. That's great. Well, we really appreciate awesome him time. taking the time. Yeah. 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 No, it was it was awesome. Uh, all right, Mott's my hockey rankings question of the week here. Oh boy, this is a big one. How do you avoid being a backyard loser this Fourth of July weekend? And this is like a super long weekend for um for well it's two part questions, so let's just go there. But yeah, it's a long, so you get like well, I July first is when Saturday two yeah, right? Yeah, but July first is what Saturday? July first is. is, yeah. 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 So you get the first, second. Yeah. So it's kind of like this is you oh, it's Canada you, you Day. Gotta, you gotta tie one on. Yeah, July 1st, Canada Day. Got to respect
1: that. I'm half Canadian, you
0: know?
1: Mm-hmm. A Canadian listeners. Um, right. And then I roll it right through, uh, you know, 3rd of July is big, 4th of July. And then you got to kind of get back at it. But actually, midweek, it's kind of a down week, I would say, you know, for a lot of yeah. people for work. So, yeah, it's really kind of yeah, like one kind long
0: know, Yeah, for, you know, you normal folk, but, you know, mm-hmm. us... Yeah. Some, Some people got <laughs> to work. Some people got to work. All right. Well, the question, the, my hockey rankings question. Uh, and then we can get to the, to the second piece of this. How do you avoid being a backyard loser? this fourth, I, I mean, for me, it's like, you just got to engage and then like be the guy. And we touched on it with, with Marty Reasoner in the, in, in the interview, like be the guy that just starts up games. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like just start up a competition. So it could be like, so let's just say you're at the beach. It's like, hey, I'll bet you can't hit that, um, you know, thing on the wall or something. Just, like, start making as many little competitions as you possibly can. So you get a football and it's like, all right, go out for a pass and, and you know, like, just dive yeah. and catch the thing. Yeah, you got to you know dive. I mean? no, get, uh,
1: throw divers like,
0: in the water. Divers yeah. in the water. One-handed right catches with a tennis ball. One-handed catches. Oh, I might football. get into some pickleball. I might get into yeah. some pickleball if I have to. Um, but I i would just say don't be a dud. Get out there and play.
1: Yeah, I mean you I mean you don't want to be the one just getting a participation
0: medal though. So I would say Yeah, but you also don't want to be the 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 backyard loser that's just sitting there doing nothing. So unless you're drilling oh, you yeah. but
1: like no, like the loser is the one that can't really like throw a spiral or you know kind of win one game of baggo. Well, you, then gotta, you better find your game then. Yes. So make sure you check out Franklin Sports for all the backyard um, activities that you can get. But I would say mm-hmm. just a little focus. And if you're not the, you know, say best athlete or you don't have a, a good skill set in certain activities, pick a good partner, you know. Pick a good teammate that can pick you up when you're down, you know, like Bago, for example, Bocce, um, yep. Badminton, Horses. You know, horseshoes, horseshoes, volleyball—like you can, you can hide a little bit, but like you still want to be part of a team and and get right. out there and participate. So what you were saying, get out there and participate, number one. But then if you're, you know, kind of not as good as some some other people, really seek out you know a stronger player and 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 kind of align yourself so you're not that backyard loser.
0: Yeah, and then like you said, if you're in the water, if you're at the pool, you're at the bat—you know, one of those things like be the guy that's going for the dive and catches and stuff like that. And like, even if you miss them, yeah, it's like, the good that. thing about the wall that you can always blame the water. If you drop the ball, yeah. you know what I mean? Be like, Oh, like I, I had that thing too, but like the ball was slippery and went through my hand. So you can just be creative with it and don't be afraid to just tell a couple fables. Um, yeah, those awesome. always work too. <laughs> All right. Second part of the, my hockey rankings question of the week, there are always surprise picks and falls in the draft. How should you react, and how can you keep your confidence up? Should you fall? That's a good, uh, that, that that's a goody.
2: Yeah,
1: you know it does happen. You know, year after year, there will be some surprise picks, and you know, we read off some of the list, the guys that were you know kind of ranked in the in the top five, six, seven. Um, they're not gonna. All of them aren't gonna go there, in my opinion. You right. Know? So. It could be someone, I don't know if someone will be off the board, you know, that jumps ahead, but like I think that Mishkoff will slide a little bit if teams don't have a good feeling that he's going to get out of his contract and whatnot. There's a lot of val- val- uh, variables with him, but um, how you deal with it, like who cares? You yeah. know, like you're going, you know, for the top picks, you know, like you, you're just going, you know, you're not going first. So then you just kind of, See where you slot, and you you know you hope that your, your name gets called with to a team that has some opportunity in the near future, you know. But I think these some of these kids can overthink it and try to kind of you know overstep like the the next step and be like oh you know like and start looking at depth charts and whatnot. Things can change immediately with a, a a trade, an injury, whatever. But I would just say enjoy the process. Who really cares where you go? Um, you know, I mean, t- to get your name called is pretty cool. But, um, you know, with like the salary cap, you know, um, the rookie salary cap, there's no real di- there's no difference in, in you know, top end packages, you know, for signing bonus and whatnot. You got to be on the team to make some money. So I think it's more about um, just enjoying the process and kind of uh, take it all in. Right. Like, who
0: really cares where you go. Yeah, and watch your body language if you are sitting in the stands yep. and, and and you potentially are the one that maybe falls a little bit and things like that. Obviously, it's an emotional time for you and your family, but you just got to, like you just said, enjoy it, uh, have fun. You're lucky that you're in that opportunity, in the position to even be there and be drafted. Um, and then it really is just a first step. It really is just a first step. And the later sometimes you you, you, you know, you look at a Cole Caulfield, right? Like people, uh, Shane Wright, different people that, oh, they could be in the first round. They could be, you know, in the top five. They could fall to the 20s. Like there's been so many different examples over the years. And, you know, what the, the you just hope you go to a team that really wants you and there's a good opportunity for you to potentially go there and, and and play, right? I talk about my brother all the time. Like there was examples of him going in the first round and he fell, you know, I think to the 95th pick it was. Um, and there was plenty of people that were drafted to him in front of him that never played a single game in the NHL. So, mm-hmm. and and he went on to have a a pretty long, um, you know, legendary type career, right, with his Iron Man streak and over a thousand games and things like that. So, you know, anything can happen. Mots, look at you, right? What round were you drafted? And does that did that round even exist anymore? <laughs> I think
1: Bailey. Yeah, it was the seventh <laughs> round
0: yeah' which I think there's still seven right? so if you like, ends
1: seven now
0: yeah hey when I was there, I think there was nine and I still didn't get drafted so um you know it it is what it is uh it's a it's a a, a great little um you know feather in your cap if it does happen, but it's just the first step towards the, the the next part of your career and you gotta take things one day at a time but um you know don't get caught picking your nose on TV and things like that. Yeah, that's probably it. that That'd be my number one tip. Yeah, don't. Yeah, it, if, you do if, you do, if you do start falling, if you do start falling, just The camera might be flashing. <laughs> you do not throw that 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 thumb up your beak.
1: But you never know. Like maybe you do, and you get a little, you know, a little bump maybe in your Instagram, and you know, a few more followers. Yeah. <laughs> Especially no, you if become... you roll it and eat it or something. <laughs>
0: Oh God! MyHockeyRankings.com, obviously, uh, great partners of ours, and we're looking forward to next season, so that those rankings will be uh, will be coming out hot and heavy. Uh, that you know, that parents and, and players uh, they get they get crazy at that time of year. That's for damn sure. Uh, before we wrap up here, obviously, a couple trades in the uh, in the NHL. Um, you know, Hazy, I think he's probably pretty excited to. Uh, To be out of philly i know he's going to st louis uh that just broke today and a couple other ones but uh we'll see what happens it's going to be an interesting off season with the way different teams are uh with all these different you know moves going on and and the nhl draft it is a a pretty exciting time yeah just i think a lot of teams are trying
1: to free up some cap space how they can you know um add some value as well so it depends on what trade partners are, are looking to do and um yeah, there is going to be a lot of movement. I think this year around this this uh, draft, so it'll be uh, interesting to tune in and see uh, all the action that is happening at the draft, as well as behind the scenes um, with the trades. That you know, because you think these these teams definitely are, have been game planning about trying to. They must have a plan if they're trying to do a couple different things. So uh, maybe some of it will come into focus with uh, some of the trades that we see. But again, yeah, it's an exciting time uh, of year, even though
0: it's the off season no oh, it is exciting stuff uh once again thank you to marty reasoner for uh jumping on thank you to all the sponsors and the listeners and uh again thanks to joanna for uh you know hooking me up at brick and beam last weekend for the, uh, yeah. yeah yeah uh thanks to everybody that showed up and uh good work and i think it's uh what do you think Rink shrink shuffle time yeah.